1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T Mobile,
0: the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
2: Biggie's here for sure. Yep. Glad to be here, man. Sean Bajani, that is me. He is Adam Spillane. Uh one of the reasons why I love doing the crosstalk in the morning with uh Pendergast especially, is because I have things planned, I have things set, I know where I want to go, and then he brings something up, and then I say, the hell with it, yeah. I gotta get to this, yeah. I gotta get to this, especially with baseball spo. Um, my man, both of you guys, really, I mean, I know, Sean, you're trying to get the hell out of here, I don't know, are you gonna go take a nap, do you ever sleep, no, by the no, way? No, I no, don't, I don't nap, Okay. I, I, I can't nap, I'm incapable of napping, and I'm going to donate blood at 10.30 today. I'll be de- dude, you're going to be drained. Yeah, I know. Like, we're we were doing the show them. last night, and we're monitoring social. You and Amy are out, having an anniversary dinner. looked like a lovely evening. Thank you. And I'm like, this sucker does not sleep. Like, Don't. he's going to go home, watch the Rockets, maybe watch the Rocket rerun or some Astros or what have we're you. We're going out again for our anniversary tonight. Look at you. Where are you Because it's Friday. We're going to Mastro's tonight. Mastro's. Went but- to a Butter Buttercake. Huh? Buttercake.
3: Bring, bring some back.
2: Blueberry buttercake.
3: I just go the right oh, my! Yeah, yeah, they
2: do the blue. But, the dude, the butter cake at Mastro's is, that's a Mount Rushmore Oh, yeah, easily. For sure. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I got going on. I got, yeah. Otherwise, I'd sit here and give you hot takes Damn on Damn it. Grammar. Now you got me sidetracked again. That's all right. Yeah, now you want butter cake. Yeah, I mean. I from actually the... do. <laughs> and you got me thinking, like, where's the last great piece of butter cake that I've had? And I can't remember. I feel like it was homemade, actually. I feel like it was homemade, but I mean, you got me burning on like the Barkley stuff now because I did not know that was both of you and Seth's stance. But you bring up Fromber Valdez and Yaspo like as if we should be concerned about Fromber in this instance as opposed to being concerned about the guy that should be calling the damn pitches and Yiner Diaz. Like, what does that say about him? I almost feel better about Fromber Valdez maybe doing this, taking over that responsibility because. It's seemingly something that he would be comfortable with, like a little less stress on the mound because
3: he's got the plan. He knows what he wants to do. Yeah, it's it's just different. And so you just kind of have to see how it looks when they actually do it. Uh, does it wind up helping him? You know? So I don't know. It's all very, very new. Exploration time. That is Well, that's what spring training, training is. Yeah. Spring training is the time to see what works, what doesn't work. And if he likes it, if he's comfortable with it, then great. If he's not, then I think that he will have no issue trusting Yiner Diaz to call pitches for him. But, again, we'll have to kind of wait. I don't think it says anything about Yiner I mean, he said um, in the story that Chandler Rome wrote for The Athletic, he said it had nothing to do with, with Maldonado not being there. It was yeah. just something that he wanted to try. And Pitchcom allows you to do this now because... Before, like, you can't really signal what the pitch that you want to throw when you're on the mound. Mm-hmm. I mean, you kind of could. That Greinke would like explore explore it every I now and say day. if you're you're like th- holding up fingers that, that's a little too easy to pick up. Or Greinke would just be like, "Hey, fastball." But <laughs> but now with PitchCom, obviously the catcher is able to make the signals to the pitchers. But then you have the two way where the where the pitcher can actually make his own calls with the catcher. And so I do wonder if that's something that you might see. Not just with the Astros, but I, I wonder if more pitchers start to do this, especially veteran pitchers yeah. that want to feel like they are more in control of what they're actually calling. Because and don't forget, there's also the pitch clock that gets involved. And so, if you as a as a pitcher, if the catcher is running through signs and you don't like the first pitch and you don't like the second pitch, and then finally you find what you want on the third pitch, well, then you got to hurry up and throw. You know, So if you're a pitcher and you know what you want to throw, you can go ahead and call that pitch, and then you can go through everything, and you can take your deep breaths and all that stuff on the mound. So I think the pitch clock also has something to do with this, why you might see more pitchers go to this. Because I remember it was last year when we were in spring training, and I, th- I think it was Luis Garcia. And Garcia was like, like in a full count for, on, during his first spring training start, and he and whoever caught him, I, I don't remember who the catcher was that day, but whoever was catching him, Uh, they could not get on the same page with the pitch, and the pitch clock is is ticking down, and then he said, you know what, screw it, I'm just going to throw a fastball. Mm -hmm. And so he threw the fastball. That's not a great way to go about things. And then what happened? Uh, He got the strikeout, actually, on that pitch. But you don't want, like, that worked then, but that's not something that you want to consistently be in that position to where... You're just throwing a pitch and you're hoping that that your catcher can catch it.
2: I mean, I think that in and of itself is what you're most concerned with a guy like Framber Valdez specifically about is, you know, somebody that is not in control, that does feel rushed, that needs to take those deep breaths, that has to collect himself at times uh, in particularly high leverage situations um, when there's trouble brewing. Um, We'd seen that kind of come to a head last year and be an issue where it was in the past, but he had been able to figure it out the year prior. Um, Yeah, I think that is definitely something to monitor. But who, uh, by the way, um, well, before we get to let me set this up a little bit. If you want to follow us uh, on Twitter, you can hit us up at Sean Bajani at Adam Spillane. Let me give you all the different ways you can be a part of the show today because uh, once I do get settled and I'm kind of comfortable right now. I'm sitting in Lopez's seat. Kind of liking it, by the way. Um, though I don't know how. Like Lopez turns around about seventy-five times during the show to to look at Figgy. You know what you need? We need like one of those mirrors right here. I need a mirror behind Spouse, like, put a speed. spoon
3: on the uh, <laughs> on the spoon? monitor. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me turn my camera to like reverse angle and see if that helps with Figgy. No, there's a reflection. That's poor. <laughs> um, but you can hit us up, 713-572-4610, 572-4610. You can be a part of the show that way. Call, text, all that good stuff. Twitch, YouTube, you can see our beautiful faces, all that good stuff. I was just going to ask you, as uh, we kind of transition to football here in just a moment, um, who's responsible on the staff that handles catchers most? You know, you've got your infield coaches, you got your guys They work on the coach. outfields. Who is that guy? Michael Collins. Michael Collins. Australian fella. Australian fella. Mm, he's got an interesting story, I'll bet. Uh, Australian fella in baseball coaching catchers.
3: Well, he he was on their World Baseball. He was on their World Baseball Classic coaching. Actually, this is a true story. So I went to the World Baseball Classic in seventeen in Tokyo, and for Japan is playing Australia, and I knew one of the Australian players. He was mm-hmm. with me uh, with the Rockies uh, way back in the day, um, and so for this game, I'm sitting right behind first base. And I'm sitting right behind the first base coach's box, and I've got a million pictures of, of, like, you know, videos of, like, pitches being thrown. And Michael Collins was the first base coach. Ha, so, that? small world. And then, of small course, he world. wound up coaching, for, uh, uh, joining the Astros coaching staff. And yeah. There was, there, uh, Australia's, there's not, like, a ton of Australian baseball players, but it, it's not a, they have an Australian winter league, because Australia is, our winter is summer in Australia, so it's a great time for baseball out there. So you'll get a lot of minor leaguers, that will go and play in the australian winter league i know some coaches that have coached there i know some players that have played there so we're
2: gonna get to the point to where the australian winter league is rivaling the venezuelan no, winter not. league we will not get there <laughs> yeah i don't think so either man uh we've got a good show for you coming up a lot of football obviously the combine uh very much underway and uh i think um The drive, Talked to Will Kunkel of Fox 26, who's out there covering uh, for Fox and had some really interesting nuggets on the combine yesterday during the drive. Last night, we talked to Charlie Campbell of WalterFootball.com. He had some really cool things to say. Um, It's got the Texans taking a defensive end out of UCLA. Uh, I call him Lale Lale because he's got a very difficult name to pronounce. Uh, You can't say it very fast. Lyle Lyle Latu, defensive end out of
3: UCLA. UCLA had a really good defense last year. Yeah, they did. That guy's got a hell
2: of a story, by the way. We talked a lot about that if you want to check it out on uh, the show page um, with Charlie Campbell of WalterFootball.com. Today we're going to be joined, as I guess you guys have been doing this every day, Figgy. Yeah, all week. uh, With Cody Stutes. Yep. HoustonFootball.com also has great content Uh, regularly on YouTube. Cody's a badass, covered Texans with him all this past season, does a fantastic job. He'll join us at 1240, correct? Yep. So looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, I imagine we'll be pretty liberal on the uh, time because I guess things can be sort of in flux with uh, availabilities and you got to get who you got to get when you got to get them. Uh, when you're in Indianapolis covering Combine and all that good stuff. You never know what he might be into at the time. But at some point, we do know, in and around 1240, we'll talk to Cody Stutes about uh, what he's observed, what he's learned, what he's hearing at the Combine, who the Texans are meeting with. They've met with a lot of guys already. Have you seen this? I've been trying to keep track of the list that Cody reports on every day via you know Twitter and Aaron Wilson and those guys. A lot of cornerbacks.
3: You intrigued at all by that? Um no, th- not really. I mean, it, it is <laughs> you just meet with whoever's there, mm-hmm. and I, I imagine that they have their board. I think they know probably what direction that they want to go in, but also at the same time, I would trade the pick. You'd trade 23? I would trade 23 in a heartbeat.
2: Trade down, get more picks? No.
3: We'll get a guy who's going to help you right away. Okay. Who you know is going to be good right away.
2: Okay. Well, I was going to ask you that question a little bit later, and you've answered that very clearly now. I guess I will save a little meat on the bone. But I, I would be and,
3: I, I would be interested to know because, like you said, there, there's a list of all the of all the guys they've interviewed. Then they can bring in what 32 guys, 30 guys that they can bring in for like formal visits. Yeah. Uh, and, and meet with. I think those tend to be more important than the combine uh, interviews more than anything else. But I, I would like to go through just like how many of the guys that they drafted last year, and the year before that, and the year before that are guys that they really never had any sort of background with. Because you don't have to, I think it helps to interview some of these guys and to spend some time with them, but I don't think it's necessarily the be-all, end-all.
2: No, I mean, look, it's fact-finding. It's it's just being over-prepared as opposed to being under-prepared. Because I also think about it like this. If you can start a file on a guy before they're even in the league, fantastic. Because in four years' time, hell, in two years' time, if they flame out, by a team that maybe drafted him in the second, third, fourth, seventh round. Who knows? You know what? I like that guy. There was something to him when we talked to him at the Senior Bowl or something to him when we talked to him uh, at the Combine. And you've got at least that much more intel on a guy at that point in time than, than, than rather not. So I think it's as much about that as anything
3: else. These guys are so coached up, though by their agents and their agencies, and they know exactly what to say a lot of times. Sure. They know exactly what's coming. That's why I... But you know who can cut through all the BS?
2: A guy like D'Amico who's been there, done that, maybe. understands it. Yeah, I mean, I think you've got a that, little that's bit... That's why, uh,
3: I, for me, I, I, I would be much more interested, not necessarily in talking to the prospects, but talking to their college coaches, not, not the head coaches, the coordinator or the position coach, their teammates, other guys like that, because a lot of times... Those guys aren't going to be coached, and they're going to be honest with you. And and they know those guys really, really well. They've seen how they've worked. They've seen the work ethic. Uh, Because that stuff matters. Like, I I think one of the biggest things when you're drafting a player, the biggest attribute is does he love to play? Does he love to play? Does he love to compete? Mm -hmm. And you'd be surprised. There are a lot of guys who it turns out they don't really love to play. It's just something that they've been good at.
2: You're absolutely 110% right. And that's something that I've learned more and more about in the years covering, you know, really all sports, but particularly football. I hear more about this in football than anything else. Like, you know what? It's its a job. It's something I have to do. It's not necessarily something I want to do. I've heard that way more times than I ever anticipated for a professional athlete to kind of have that sort of mentality. And I know for a lot of people like us Boy, what a beautiful problem! Like, damn it, that's just something you gotta do, huh? <laughs> you know, I don't
3: think people can relate to that at well, all. It's, I mean, it's it's not an easy job. Like, it's a well paid job, but it's not an easy job. And if you don't love to do it, then you're just not going to be good at it at the highest level. Like, you can be if you don't love to play football, you can still be really good at it in college because mm-hmm. the competition isn't the same. But if you don't love to play football, It doesn't matter how – you can be extraordinarily talented and you can have some success in the NFL, but you're not going to be great at it against NFL-type competition of of guys who are, frankly, just going to work harder than you. So that's – to me, if I'm talking to these these players, I want to gauge an idea of how much they love to play, but then again, I also want to check with their coaches. Like, hey – Does this guy really love to play? Does this guy is this guy the most competitive guy in the room? I think that stuff matters a lot of times more than the measurables do.
2: But sometimes you got to cut through the BS from the coach too. You know, it's just you've got to talk to anybody and everybody you possibly can. In you know, trust your gut, so to speak. You know, but. Ask ask questions. I mean, you can't ever ask too many questions. I mean, and I say, look, you got to cut through the BS with the coaches, too, because they want to do nothing more than prop up their players, which ends up propping up their they program. They might not like that player. <laughs> Sometimes, but you know what? Like, at the end of the day, does it behoove you to talk down about a player or re- rather remain fairly neutral on a guy? Or I mean, not it, saying it depends, you don't though, like the guy, you don't
3: have to slander them. You might have a better relationship. Like, D'Amico Ryans, I'm sure, has friends who are college coaches. And they're going to be honest with him. Like, they probably like D'Amico more than they like the player. And it's the relationship that
2: counts that matters in that that case. But not all of them have really any relationship at times with some of these newer coaches in the NFL. D'Amico's a little bit different. He's a hybrid guy, right? He played. uh, They know him from college. They know him from—
3: Let's say Texans position coach X has a relationship with X universities. Ex, you know what i mean sure. so like you yeah. go on down the line and every, and you get everybody involved mm-hmm. when it comes to the draft it's not just the gm the scouts and the head coach right. it's everybody and right. it, it takes it's a group it's groupthink essentially yeah no i think it's an excellent point uh, you
2: know you talk talk about cutting through the bs man uh, i, w- I want to play this little bit of audio for you uh cuz you think you know this guy some of you still aren't necessarily believing that you uh, or the Texans maybe really know who this guy is. Maybe you need to see more from him. Nico Collins was on a, um, it was. do you call it a podcast, Figgy?
1: Yeah, I would say it's a podcast. It's a podcast
2: it's, on yeah. the Fubo Sports Network uh, this week. I didn't know that was really a thing, but it is, and I might explore actually going the Fubo route. But nevertheless, Nico Collins weighed in on his contract status,
1: entering into the final
2: year of a rookie deal, talking extension. What does he think is uh, going to happen?
1: Man, to be honest, I haven't really even talked to my agent about it. I mean, I kind of know um, that like it's my end of my third. You know, what I'm out I'm for you know a free agency, but in my head, man, I'm like. I'm locked in to where I, I feel like I, I need another year to prove to everybody what I can do, you know, because I miss, I feel like, really, the first two years I had was due to injuries. I feel like that wasn't my best meet, you know what I'm saying? So I feel like after this year, kind of like, all right, just show them a little bit, boom. And I feel like this year, just, I feel like it's going to be a little better year, man, just just mentally, uh, physically. I uh, know what to expect.
0: I'm um,
1: learning, getting better, growing throughout the, throughout the year. Um, just learning the game better and you know? uh but you know if it comes come early it come early you know but I feel like my mind says just just go ball and just let it play out uh, play out
2: sounds very much like a guy that is betting on himself I, do you, I, I want to isolate that cut we'll, we'll we'll do it later on in the show figgy but I mean I think this is something until there is news that breaks about the Texans and Nico Collins um, agreeing on a contract extension, if that's this offseason, if that's next year. I think that is a, a little clip that is going to be very interesting to hold on to and maybe play repeatedly throughout the year. And I'm talking about when he says, quote, I'm up for free agency next year, but in my head, I'm locked into where I feel like I need another year to prove to
3: everybody what I can do, end quote. I thought that was fascinating. Well, it, it means that if I have another year next year, like I did this year, I'm going to really cash in. Yes. And that's, I think, what he's kind of hoping for. Now, unfortunately for him, the NFL has the the franchise tag. Mm-hmm. And if he does turn in a year next year, like he did in 2023, then he's going to get tagged. Like sure. That's an automatic tag. Well, what's that franchise
2: tag for a wide it's receiver pretty good. this like, year? It's yeah, still it's like- good,
3: but you don't have the freedom to go out and try and get your own deal. But that being said, he still would put himself in great position, and I'm sure the Texans would like to get something done with him uh, if that were the case. But it's one of what he is telling you right there is that he's not going to take what his market value would be right now. He mm. wants to go out and have another monster year, and then go out and get what his market value. 100%. is. Hundred
2: percent, and I I love that from his standpoint because that we talk about relatability. Um, and I know, look, this is very much uh, you know business decision-driven uh, on his part, certainly. But that is something that we can relate to. If you were out on Nico Collins, out on this receiver core like many people were coming into this season, and he puts up almost doubles, and in fact, in some cases, tripled and quadrupled, the level of production this year that he'd had in either one of his previous two seasons. Fantastic. C.J. Stroud, Bobby Slowick, you know the whole bit. Had everything to do with it. And just being in a better system with better coaches and some semblance of a direction um, with with the trajectory headed upward, way up. I, I love the fact that he's wanting to bet on himself. I love the fact that the Texans could very well be having to make a decision this time next year on paying a legitimate number one wide receiver. Seven one three five seven two four six ten. Coming up next, if there was any question, by the way, the Texans were not now a destination for uh, top flight free agents. I think he got the answer yesterday very clearly. We'll talk about it next on In the Loop at Sports Radio six ten.
0: Okay, picture this. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: God bless. That hit hard. <laughs> I just have my speed. Hey, my it's uh, Friday, man. Like you turned that up on purpose? Nah, nah. It was already up. Damn, my headphones must be extra loud. That scared the hell out of me. (laughs) Goodness. Uh, Obviously, this is not the voice of one John Lopez, nor is it of Landry Locker. But he will very much be a part of our show later on. Uh, Landry Locker, that is, because he is making the internet go absolutely nuts. Uh, That's coming up in the final hour of the program. Uh, I am Sean Bajani. He is Adam Spillane, and apparently, according to 713, we sound just alike. Uh, Figgy, would you uh, concur or disagree? I disagree. I've gotten that multiple times before when Spo and I have done shows together. Really? Yeah. Never have. Never have. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting like a Brandon Scott, now Cecil I'm going Shorts to. type thing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that that is so true, and you know it is. B. Scott and Cecil they Shorts. They don't sound alike either. They do sound alike. Don't? They absolutely do sound alike. I guess
3: they they do have that low tone voice. They do. But um, Brandon Scott's got a little more twain to him because he's from here. A little more?
1: Yeah. A lot well, more. A lot more, <laughs> more yeah.
2: When, when you listen, and look, you do shows with him all the time now on H-Town Hoops podcast um, and then obviously up here, but um, I think for your average, maybe to below average listener, when you hear that, and, but you know who those guys are, you're like, yeah, who the hell am I listening to? I thought that, and I, I've known he, I've known both of them for more than a decade, and I thought that on the radio 713-572-4610, 572-4610. By the way, somebody very observant because you and I, Figgy, talked about this pre-show. I didn't get a chance to chop it up with Spo about this, but you know, we just played the uh, cut on Fubo Sports. Uh, damn it! What what the hell is the damn name, name of that show? Hubo Sports Network, the Nico Collins uh, podcast that he was on this Airing week. It Out podcast. Aaron It Out podcast. Sorry, I should give them proper due because I'll probably be a subscriber to them here in the next week or so. <laughs> um, but somebody on the text line said, hey, he also said if it come early, it would come early. Talking about Nico Collins' comments on a contract extension. He did say that, and I think that only means if the Texans were to wow him with a deal, which, I don't know, they could, I guess, potentially. What do you think, Spo? I mean, is that something that maybe Nick Casario would want to get out in front of, if possible, now? Or does do they share kind of Nico's sentiment, like, yeah, you know what, we'd like to see a little bit more, and we'd have no problem paying him. At the end of the day, if he continued to do what
3: he did this last season, I'm sure that they would like to get if if they can avoid him going into free agency. I think that they would probably like that, but at the same time, they have I'm sure, based off of what he's done his first three seasons in the NFL, and they have a certain you know salary structure that they would give him, and I don't think that they would go necessarily like way over that structure at this point. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so, hey, if 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 you want to prove it and get more, go ahead and prove it and get more, but remember the Texans have the franchise tag in their back pocket. And, mm-hmm. and so that gives them a little bit of protection to where if they don't get something done this offseason, then they have they have that. And so it's not like, so it doesn't become desperation mode. Sure.
2: 21.8 and change, by the way, the uh, wide receiver franchise tag for this offseason. Presumably it would go up by a million and change, maybe two million next year. Uh, who knows? So that's kind of what you'd be looking well, that, at.
3: That, that's based off of the top, Salaries of wide yeah. receivers, and I, depending I on
2: what tag, top five, top ten percent. so, so
3: my question would be: Are there any wide receivers that are about to get paid? I guess Jamar Chase could be in that mix, and so could uh, Justin Jefferson. So that might impact the uh, the franchise tag number for wide highest receivers.
2: Paid, highest paid wide receiver right now? Do you happen to know off the top of your no, head, not top of my head. Uh, or the number? Because Mike Evans is in line for a uh, thirty million. Yeah, AAB. so
3: so that that again. And because the cap is going to go up by so much, yeah, that could wind up really boosting the salaries of those top wide receivers. So you say that the set the, the salary um the franchise tag number for a wide receiver could go up by a million and change or so. It could go up by a little bit more than that just could. based off of teams having a little bit of extra money to spend based on the cap going up as much as it is
0: we really need new phones t-mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iphone 15s and each line is only 25 a month new iphone 15s here. only at t-mobile get four iphone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch
2: No doubt. Good point, man. Uh, I I, I wanted to talk a little bit about this because I think um, we we started the show, you know, with Pendergast and uh, Payne on the Saquon Barkley situation, and I I think it's been about three or four days now where um, the Giants GM, you know, talking, it's it's the season in which you, you... you you can't really trust what anybody's really saying. The Giants, you know, yeah, we're going to be talking with uh, Saquon this off season about an extension. Tags not off the table. That was a report after Adam Schefter earlier this week had reported that hey, basically every running back that is anybody this off season's probably not going to be tagged. And then you hear the otherwise from Barkley uh, reports, from Josh Jacobs reports, uh all over the place. You just don't know what to believe now, but. I don't think there's any question after what we heard yesterday that the Texans are now a destination and a top one for top flight free agents. Aaron Wilson's report regarding Saquon Barkley yesterday having the Texans as his top target. uh, For me, I love to hear it. I'm a Saquon guy. Uh, Don't care if it's $12.5 million per. Sounds good to me. Because it's Saquon Barkley, 26, 27-year-old guy. Uh, not a lot of tread worn off of those tires, and I don't necessarily concern myself with his previous injury history because I don't think it's as drastic as everybody else makes it out to be. But I I think me, Spo, and I, I want to get your take on this, for me, it's less about Saquon Barkley and more about everybody else. I look at it like this. If Saquon Barkley has the Texans as his top target, How many other top-flight free agents do you think, especially at positions of need for the Texans, have them as their top target as well? How the hell far have we come as a city, as a football fan base, to where finally this is the case? You might have thought you'd gotten there before in the Deshaun era, maybe at one point in time the Kubiak era, but the damn Texans never did anything back then. Like the best free agent offseason you ever had in their existence was Daniel Manning. And Jonathan Joseph back in 2011, 2010, whatever the hell it was, off season, and I think this year you could absolutely and probably do blow that out of the water. I'm excited for what it means, not just this
3: off season, but years going forward. Spo. Well, it helps that they have a lot of cap space, and so you see these teams that are inter that you see these players that are interested in the Texans. They they see the cap space, so they know, hey. The Texans are going to be, be able to spend, whereas some of these other teams that don't have the sort of cap space aren't going to be able to spend. So that's why that's that's a it's not the reason, but that's a reason why I do think that the Texans are going to be at the top of a lot of players list just because they have the money to spend, whereas some other teams don't. Now, they are still good. They are coming off of a good season. They have a very good, very young quarterback who looks like he's going to be a star uh, if he's not already. And then they have a head coach that I think a lot of uh, guys want to play for, so yeah, they they certainly are a team that is on the rise, um, and and they've got money to spend, and I do think that players see that they have money to spend, and so they're going to want some of that pie. Yeah, I
2: it's getting, I want to see how big that pie is going to actually be. How how big of a slice Nick Casario and D'Amico Ryans, you know, are going to be willing to slice off for some of these guys. Positions of need for them, not just running back, but, you know, potentially look tight end, wide receiver, linebacker, cornerback, defensive tackle, safety upgrade, depending on how I feel about Jimmy Ward, who's contractually supposed to be back uh, for the Texans um, this next season. But you know what? Damn. Maybe even offensive line because if I'm a veteran Offensive lineman, particularly maybe somebody that uh, prefers left guard, and I'm sitting back looking at this situation for the Texans with C.J. Stroud, Bobby Slowick offensively, this receiver core that looks really exciting, really young at this point in time. I'm saying, man, I'd love to go block for that dude. Um, Kenyon Green, Jarrett Patterson, I can go beat their ass. I'd be interested, literally, if I'm anybody. And I wouldn't necessarily kick out of bed the idea that uh, the Texans would explore bringing in a good, solid, veteran left guard, uh, kind of a player that could fill that position this year, or at least generate some sort of competition. That was just one of the things that had crossed my mind in the uh, early goings of thinking about all of this and what it means for
3: the Texans in terms of who they could have their pick of. Well, I mean, just look at the offensive line. Like it might feel like they're set at the tackles. It might feel like okay, the center pretty good. It might feel like you know, right guard is pretty good. These guys get hurt. They do. You need depth. And you it, saw you needed depth badly you, last year. Yeah. So if you don't have depth, then you're in big trouble. And and it's very rare. I, I think what Tunsil was on IR at one point last year. Titus Howard missed most of the season the guy that they thought was going to start at left guard did not play a single snap. I don't think they put Tonsal on He missed IR three games. I know he missed yeah. three games. But yeah. um, the the guy who was supposed to be the center, he wound up missing the first half of the season, and then he had to go play guard. So like, it's hard to keep these guys healthy. So you do need Backups. In place for when a, a, an offensive lineman eventually gets hurt, because you look like a team like the Jets. Obviously, they lose Aaron Rodgers; their season's in big trouble at that point. But they had a bad offensive line, and the offensive line got worse as the season went along because they had nobody behind their starters. So if you aren't think, if you go into camp and you just have your five offensive linemen and that's it, you're in big trouble because the odds that you're going to be able to keep all five of those guys healthy Mm -hmm. for an entire 17-game season plus postseason is incredibly slim. So if you're not looking to shore up the depth behind the offensive line, then you are making a big mistake.
2: He's Adam Spillane, Sean Bajani, in for Landry Locker, John Lopez. You're in the loop. Coming up next, we'll localize the hell out of it. Uh, rockets falling to the Suns last night. Did one particular individual buy himself. A little bit more time in the starting lineup. Hm, who am I talking about? Well, we'll tell you next.
0: We're making the stories from outside the loop matter to you. This is Localize It. Don't you know I'm local? You're in the loop. On Houston's Sports Leader. It. Sports Radio 610.
2: In for Landry Locker, I'm John Lopez. I'm not John Lopez. In for Landry Locker and John Lopez. Can we redo
3: that last, I mean, my God.
2: Was that bad? That was really bad.
3: <laughs> you had to do it three times. Two
2: times. I, one, I forgot to turn my mic on. That's <laughs> <laughs> Who was that?
1: John, John Lopez. Lopez. The Lopez laugh. From the boat. <laughs>
2: <laughs> He's laughing at you from the boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what? We make mistakes. This is my first shift. Uh, Of the day, it's probably only going to get a little bit worse as I make my way towards seven o'clock. Or could it get better? Uh, Are you
1: doing the show
3: tonight too? I am. Okay. Double
2: duty. Double duty.
1: Okay. Can't get
3: worse after what I just
2: witnessed. (laughs) You you kiss my ass. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Spo. You want to get us in here? Not good. I'm, shoot. Go it's ahead. not good.
1: Damn.
2: just ain't got no damn shame, man. He's like, Johnny, you just got to try. But you just got to be better, bro. Solid. I'll be the first to admit it. Hey, look, fine, whatever. But can we move on? Yes, please. I mean, for crying out loud. My apologies. My God. I'm trying to get your expert analysis on these damn rockets. <laughs> um, which, by, before we even get into the heart of this thing, mm-hmm, how the hell are they playing the damn Suns and the Thunder-like in the last 5 games. Got to play them eventually. You got to get those <laughs> games off your schedule. <laughs> I never remember the NBA schedule looking like
3: this trashy before. Like this is horrible. Well, I mean, p- part of it is it's a travel thing where you are seeing more and more teams kind of do the back-to-back in the same city just so that that's one less trip that you this have. This
2: is make. a result of players bitching and moaning in recent years about eh, I travel. I, I
3: think the player I think the players though would tell you that they like it because again, instead of going to Phoenix now, and then maybe going to Phoenix in a month, they just get to knock out the Phoenix trip now. And it's, you know, one less flight that they have to take. Now, obviously, it's hard to play an opponent back-to-back, you know, twice in a row, especially mm. a good team like this. But that's just how the schedule falls sometimes. And yeah. you got to play those teams three or four times a year. So it's going to happen eventually. You know, the last couple of years, actually, I think it was this year, they played Sacramento back-to-back games here uh, the last couple of years they've gone to Sacramento to play a couple of games in a row, so that's just how the NBA schedule works. Yeah, out. I mean,
2: I get it if you're making a, you know, far nor- west trip or a northeast trip or something like that, but I mean it's not like Phoenix and Oklahoma City are very far to begin with, you know what I'm saying, but they fell to uh, the Suns last night, 110-105. Jalen Green single-handedly at times spoke keeping the Rockets in that ballgame last night off to another crappy start. I look up down twenty four to twelve with you know three minutes remaining in the first quarter, and the guy had eight of the twelve points. He had a really good game early on last night, seven of fifteen uh, early. I think uh, had twenty points right out of the gate, looking good, hitting threes. Uh, but he just hit three of his final thirteen shots. I heard you and B Scott talking about this on your H Town Hoops podcast. Uh, I don't know when you guys did it recently, but I was watching it yesterday before the game. And B. Scott was making the case for Ime Udoka moving Jalen Green to the bench. This is something that we've talked about, you know, quite a bit about the last couple of weeks. And it's been just over two weeks ago now, I believe, that uh, Udoka hinted at possibly making a change with the starting lineup pre-All-Star break. He'd said, quote, regarding the slow starts, it's definitely a concerning problem. Maybe I have to look at the rotation and the lineup. I have to... I have out there starting and try to get five competitors out there at one time to avoid four starts like that. I will look at all of that over the break, look in the mirror at myself, and figure out the best way forward to get us off to better starts. Well, last night they got off to another crappy start, as they typically do, especially on the road. At what point in time do they make a move or do they make a move? What did you think of Brandon's case that they should make a move and start Jalen on the bench?
3: Like, there are certainly a reason to do it, and again, last night, you know, the starting five, the big reason why Yudoka didn't make the move coming out of the break was that the first 27 games of the year, that starting five was outstanding together. They were outscoring teams by, I think it was 10 points per 100 possessions. That's how good that lineup was. You had a really good stat,
2: then, especially defensively, yeah, with defensively that lineup. Yeah, defensively it was great.
3: Yeah. And then the next 27 games, um, that lineup only played together nine times. They, they had guys in and out of the lineup, so there was no consistency there. So Yudoka was hoping that Hey, we're healthy now. All those five guys are good to go. They can play. Let's see how it looks after a couple of weeks. And obviously, the results have not been great. Um, they have not played. They have not won games out of the break. Now, part of that has been the schedule. Like you said, the schedule coming out of the All Star break has been absolutely brutal. You're talking about New Orleans. You're talking about uh, playing Phoenix. Then two games with Oklahoma City. Now two more games with Phoenix. I mean, those are are three teams. That are right now the tops are in the top six, top seven in the Western Conference. Like these are three really good teams. So I don't think it's like a great gauge of how good that lineup is. Now on to Green, like that's if you want to bring him off the bench, fine, bring him off the bench. The problem that they have right now is that I don't know if there's a great option to put in that spot. Because I think the, the top two guys that you would say, hey, this guy should start over Jalen Green. It would be Cam Whitmore and Amin Thompson. Well, you look at what those two guys did last night. They were pretty bad in last night's game. Thompson, o of two, only took two shots. Everybody was bad last night though, except for Jalen Green. You know what I mean? Like, but they have th- those guys have warts, though to their game. And so with Thompson, he cannot shoot. Like the shooting is a it, once he learns how to shoot, he's going to be a great player. But right now, he just he cannot shoot. He can get to the rim. Um, he he can defend. He can get you going in transition. But the shooting is an issue for Whitmore Whitmore can shoot, but that's basically all he does at this point. Like he does not really know how to get the offense moving. He he has the ball. He has tunnel vision. He is going to take the shot almost basically. It doesn't matter what the defense is around him. It doesn't matter what's going on with the other four guys on the floor. He's going to take the shot. And so that doesn't necessarily keep the ball moving. That doesn't necessarily help the offense run. So I think that they really like those two together off the bench to provide like a big uh, a jolt of athleticism, a jolt of energy. And I think that they want to keep that starting five together. Now, if they had Tari Easton available to them, which they don't, and who knows when he's going to play again, I think that then you could have something where you would you would put send Green to the bench and, and, and have Easton start. But again... I don't know when he's going to play again. Yeah, And I mean, the fact well, that he has not played, it's been almost two months since he's played. Um, he was supposed to come back a few weeks ago. Exactly two in, months now. He hadn't played since January 1st. And I think
2: it's trending in the direction that he doesn't come back yeah, this that's,
3: season. That's, that's basically what the feeling is. And he had some imaging. you know, So he was supposed to come back that road trip before the All-Star break. He felt some pain during his ramp up. He's dealing with a stress reaction in his leg. At least I think that's what they, they've termed it as. He's dealing with a stress reaction in his leg. That's what cost him the first part of the season Came back. He was in a little bit, he was in a lot more pain than he let on. Uh, They shut him down for a couple of weeks. And then in that ramp up, he started to feel some pain again. Went to the doctor last week to get some imaging done. And basically, Ime Yudoka said they're trying to get more opinions Mm -hmm. from from what they saw. So they're not going to have Easton. So to me, they're probably just going to leave Jalen Green in the starting lineup. And also, I think that they want as much information on Jalen Green as possible moving forward because they've got to make a decision and, on what to do it. with him. And
2: that's it. You make the determination when you're Rafael Stone and maybe more so if you're Ime Odoka, since, look, this is his ship now. Um When you have determined that you have all you need and all you're going to get from Jalen Green... Um And maybe he feels like, you know what, I don't have enough. I need more intel. Maybe last night's performance buys him a little bit more time. I don't know if it's
3: Rafael Stone necessarily. I think it's Ime Yudoka. That's what I'm saying. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's what I said. You know, since it's his ship now, it's more on him to to make the determination on exactly when he feels like he's seen enough from Jalen Green. Maybe he's bought himself a little bit more time with the performance last night. I mean, it's one game. It's been his best game since, you know,
3: two, three weeks now. See was it a great game though. No, like, it wasn't I, a great game. No, I just, I'm saying for for Jalen because I know he scored the 34 and he shot seven of 17 from three, which is terrific. But he was also three of 11 from two point range. Yeah, like that. That's three for his stuff, last 13 in the game. That that's the sort of stuff that becomes a problem with him. Is that like the three point shooting can can sometimes suck you in because mm-hmm. you see a guy shoot well from three and you see the big scoring. Okay, well it was mostly done on three point shots. But you want to see the guy. Get to the rim. You want to see him be efficient at the rim because those points are just as important. And so he got to the free throw line seven times, which is important for him because that's something that has really lacked from his game this season, especially when you compare it to last year. But to only be, what did I say, three of eleven from inside the three-point arc, that sort of stuff isn't good enough. No,
2: no. Seven one three-five seven two four six ten. Why not feature green more instead of trying to bench him? That one from Victor uh and the seven one three. So why not feature green more I mean, instead do. of trying to bench him? What do you mean? Like he played 39
3: minutes last night. No, he, he, they, the offense ran through him at he, the start of the game. He, they get his are, shots, man. Yeah, he just didn't make them. They, they are big on getting him shots early in the game. Now, if you want to ask the question, well, why is it that Jalen green is the one who kind of takes the heat and nobody else does. That's a good point. And that's a point that should be made because he isn't the only guy who has played poorly over the course of the season. Um, Fred Van Vliet has not shot the ball well really in the last month. Uh, Dylan Brooks' defense has not been at the level that it was earlier in the season before he got hurt. Jabari Smith Jr. has not shot the, bell, uh, has not shot the ball well since he's come back from the ankle injury. And then you see seen Alperin Shengun's uh, level of play really fall off over the last But
2: month. But, and it goes to your point in this text here from the 713. I think it's Victor again. Uh, my question is why the hell is Green the whipping boy and needs to be moved and not someone else? Well, Look, you gave Dylan Brooks a very large contract along with Fred Van Vliet. Jabari Smith has shown promise along with Alperen Sengun, far more so than one of Jalen Green in terms of consistency at the end. And look, it's inarguable, especially on a night last night where Green has one of his better games, especially, ironically, a very good start compared to not so much from anybody else on the Rockets last night. They all suffered greatly for it and had to fight their way back from you know a big hole that they dug themselves. But it, it's more than just about one game. He's the whipping boy because what he's been consistent at is not being consistent. It's about the poor shooting. It's about not doing the things winning basketball players do away from the basketball
3: and on the defensive side. He hasn't shown that. Well, he's the whipping boy because he was the second overall pick and he's been around for three years. Yeah. And so he had the highest expectations out of anyone, and he has not met those. Like, you look at the other guys that they've drafted, Alperen Shingun has exceeded the expectations. Jabari Smith hasn't met the expectations, but he's come closer he's to meeting them than Jalen Green has. Uh, the two guys that they drafted, uh, Eason hasn't played, but when he played, he was outstanding. The two guys that they drafted um, last June they have probably exceeded the expectations of what people had for them Mm -hmm. coming into the season. So, like, Green kind of takes the heat because he has... He is further away from meeting the expectations that were set for him. Now, the expectations were probably set too high, but that's what happens when you're taking second overall.
2: He's Adam Spillane, Sean Bajani in for Landry Locker, and John Lopez on In the Loop. Coming up next, uh, D'Amico Ryans in a very familiar face could be reunited this offseason. We'll get to that and why Spo wouldn't be surprised if the Texans drafted at this position in the first round. We'll get you...